All right, let's get this party started. Somebody go ahead and uh, start the music. With a piece in my hand and bloodshot eyes, I walk to the water for a last goodbye. He begs so much, he clouded my mind. One thing's clear, the man's gotta die. It makes right, so he said, when he held all the keys over our head. I lived in that grip, but now he'll learn at the end with the tables turned. Lord, forgive me, take me on down the river where the kids can't find the red and the sinner. On where the grave can't cry out. Down the river with a hand on a coat and a finger on the trigger. And oh, the on they try to find me. Take me on down. Take me on down. I can breathe it hard. Two weeks in a wild chase across the highways, mountains over seven states. Found a man at the harbor, said that he could take me across the ocean somewhere far away. Lord, forgive me, take me on down the river where the kids can't find the red in the center. Jumping up the ledge, but not before I get through the chest. Now there's blood and water filling up my lungs. Blood and water filling up my lungs. My heart is beating like a fading drum. Lord, forgive me, here I come. And take me
All right. Well, I called him out. I called him out and I said, come on, let's talk about this. Bring it on. And uh, he actually answered the call. I'm going to lie. I'm a little surprised. But so if you don't know, uh, Toe Piglet, the man, the myth, the legend regards to non CDL hotshot on YouTube has decided to come on with Sage. And we're going to talk about this. Uh, he shut down his business. And um, why don't we just bring him on? Now, let me hit your microphone here. What's going on? Uh, dude, uh, just a correction. Okay. It's not a uh, non CDL hotshot is derogatory. Okay. Let's call it lightweight freight transport. Wow. I've already been popped by you in regards to my terminology and how to properly do your pronouns in regards to trucking. <laughs> fantastic. That's fantastic. We've already started with that. Yeah. I see how it's going to go. Yes, sir. So listen, um, I played your video, and I, of course I can pull it up if we need to play it again, but why don't we do this? Because uh, some of my crew probably don't know uh, about you because I do news and I do some other stuff. So why don't we give a little background in regards to who you are and what you used to do? Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Alex. I started as a, as a driver. I was looking for a job, and I found a driving job, driving a pickup truck, pulling the trailer. So I was like, and ever since I got a job, I was like, dude, this is actually pretty cool. You don't need a special license. You don't need to do anything. And so you can just jump in there and go out there and make some money. Uh, and so I was a driver for about four months and then I ended up buying my own truck and then I was leased onto a company for um, about six months and I was leased onto another company for a couple of years. And then I finally built up the courage to go out there and get my own authority. And I was like, well, you know, this this pickup truck thing has been working for me since. So then I started a channel, started sharing my insights and what I've learned being on the road. And then I started leasing on owner operators with non-CDL equipment. And then I started getting company trucks. And um, last in the month of March that we peaked at 27 trucks um, delivered, like 27 different trucks delivered loads. Um, but when, you know, at the time of shutdown, which was, you know, a couple of days ago, um, we had 17 trucks. So, so let me, I'm going to dive into the mindset and, and there's going to be times I'm going to have to treat you as a hostile witness. Cause, cause I know you, um, either way. So, what made you go into get, like the decision that you made getting your own? What was the main motivation to get to start your own authority? Uh, there wasn't really any motivation. It was just like it, it seemed like the next logical step. You know, it's like you get enough experience and you want to, you know, you're looking for that next challenge ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, well, might as well do my own thing, run my own show. And then, but your goal was to not just to stay that, but to build a business, correct? Correct. Right. For like the longest time, I wanted to have like, a little fleet of trucks and going out there and doing my own thing. And I would be at home managing the fleet. That was, that was the goal from the beginning. So, and, and the reason I want to also do this interview is there's a lot of people that have done this. Uh, trucking is, is I call it insanity, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times people jump into trucking, they get into trucking, they get their authority. And next thing you know, the freight goes down and everybody loses stuff and they do it over and over and over again. Right. And they expect a different result. So I, I really want this interview to, for people to understand. Now I have my opinions and you opened your, uh, and I'm going to play the video. You actually opened the video to, um, for people to come up and leave it in the comments. Unfortunately, I don't type well and that's why i have my own channel and i'm just gonna this is my comment section so i decided to call you out and, and give you my opinion on stuff but i do want people to pay attention and learn because there's going to be a lot of other trucking companies that are going to fall into this uh this same situation you're into so all right of course you went to business school and you took uh, what business in college correct because you wanted to start a business no definitely not i i got a high school diploma <laughs> 
Okay. So, all right. So you went to uh, night classes to get a business degree. No, definitely did not. I don't have, I don't have any formal college education. Uh, economics, maybe? No, none. Uh, weekend classes? Online no, classes? Nothing. Literally nothing. Perfect. So basically you decided, hey, I want not only do I want to go into trucking, but I want to start a business and I have no for in any way formal education. Did your parents or anything? Did, did they run their own business? Was there at least that type of? My parents did have their own business, uh, so I kind of learned a little bit there. Um, but still, like when you're not in charge of the day to day operations or like, you know, realize like taking care of the finances and whatnot, it's hard to really understand what the challenges are of running your business. So um, it, it would they, they did, but they didn't. You know, it's not like I was there. Like I moved out when I was 18. So it's, it's right. not like I was there the whole time. So and I do want to do a correction. So uh, you're maybe and we might have a one reason why maybe your trucking company had an issue. If you do the math from now until 2008, you know, that was a little longer. You were weren't 18, were you? Right. Right. So the the recession that. Yeah, correct. So it's 2022, um, 29. So uh, 2008 would have put or end of 2008, 2009, depending on exactly what, what the bottom of the market was, you could call the recession um, that that's basically I was what, 15 or 16, something like that. Right. At least then you're that was something your parents did. Did at least they saw that and you probably saw that through the 15 year old eyes, which is pretty much very minimal that they're going to show you. Uh, to what you know they're going to release to you at that time pretty much so correct my parents did go actually through bankruptcy because of the uh because of that recession so they did end up going oh, really mm -hmm. okay so that was something so you get the truck you drive and start in the truck you say look at i don't want to do it i don't need this cdl thing <laughs> cdl people <laughs> who do they who do they think they are um and you jump in the truck now there's limitations to that non-cdl now and, now, and the reason I'm bringing this up is there's a lot of people that feel they can do the same thing. And this is not an easy path. It is not an easy path. So you have some limitations. Can you kind of explain those? Uh, so, I mean, the limitations is really your carry capacity. That would be the big one, right? Mm -hmm. And and so uh, that that's basically it. But after that, like, it's all the same stuff, right? So um, you, you're still required to have the same insurance, same, like, paperwork, same safety, same, all, like everything is the same, just, but generally it's just your carrying capacity. You're not required to have a portion plates, obviously, uh, cause you're under the 26,000. Um, but really like legally you're required to follow all the same stuff. So really there's no advantage. And, and, and insurance, same, you're, you're still looking at same insurance, you know, premiums and payments and requirements uh, because the freight, that, and just so everybody knows, if you don't know or just joining who watched the big one, I'm an actual freight broker. Um, I've been, a, I'm a CDL driver. I have my CDL. I'm one step above him. I've had a carrier. I've had my own truck. I moved on uh, as an agent and I've even loaded to with freight um, and he's did a great job. And, and this is why. Um, one of the other reasons I wanted to do this, and we're going to we're probably going to go a little head to head on this one, but it's just kind of what we do. But he you actually went above and beyond when you started to do that because you went on your own and you started kind of moving freight by yourself, working out of the truck uh, and you you just ran the load boards and the load boards are somewhere where brokers post freight. Right. So that's kind of what you ran. Correct. Right. Just all spot market load board um, getting freight off there. Yeah. And even that for a hotshot is harder because you, one, a normal hotshot has weight limitations, but it's more than you could do. So you had even additional hardships trying to find freight. Right. Th th that is the case. It is harder to find freight for hotshot. That is absolutely the case. 
but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist right and it's like and it's not like there isn't a market for hot shots there is but like i i i just don't know if it's a i don't know if hot shot is a good idea anymore because what happens is more insurance companies are like selective with what trucks they're insuring and if you tell an insurance company you have hot shots that puts you in a different like liability pool and so then then your risk isn't spread out um across as many trucks whereas if if you say like hey i only hire cdl drivers that have at least four years of experience well that's like two million people you know what i mean uh so it, it's it's very very different with hotshot so um maybe if there was like a specialized insurance like like hey light duty insurance like something that might make a little more sense but really if insurance wise that's good but that's the biggest hurdle by far and it's not just in hotshots bro trucking companies got a business for insurance all the time um, so it's not just hotshot it's just trucking in general is difficult because of the, that insurance company but what i do want to say about hotshot is just like there's big shippers there's small shippers right and the big shippers are the ones where their phone gets blown up by brokers you know by by TQL all like a hundred times a day, right? But really those small shippers that ship like one or two things a month, they're not the ones that brokers are calling, right? right? And so it's like, there is a more personable approach. Like, hey, I'm a small business, you're a small business. I, you know, I can solve your shipping needs. And, you know, if you're sh shipping something lightweight, like there is that small thing, but it's, it's almost like being small. You either got to be really small in trucking, one truck, one MC, one truck, like, and just you in the truck, or gotta somehow magically become a mega carrier through acquisitions or something because that, that's really the only two options but the guys in the middle are really suffering yeah so let me ask this then so one of the things too that you probably was um culture shock was probably calling freight brokers to get to to get freight to get your stuff loaded um it has changed probably dramatically even over the five years you've been doing it right the, the attitudes and the mindsets and stuff because it, it's changed over my years, but I've got 20 years in. So even a, a five-year period, five and a half, right? Yeah. Well, I, I started in like August of 2015. Okay. So let's. I'm going to round, make myself simple, five years. So even over that five years, have you seen a change in that aspect of calling them? Like how did it start compared to yesterday or two days? Uh, honestly, like as in a change of like how the conversation goes or a change of broker's attitude towards hotshot? both okay so conversation has been going the same for like all five years no joke like hey calling about your load from here to here done so it's all still calls and like you're like even though they're you know jb hunt has a thing where you can book it now the book it now price is always absolute garbage um even though uh you know coyote their app is pretty popular like at the end of the day you're just it, you, instead of calling coyote now you gotta like type in through the load board you gotta submit a bid through the load board so like, right there is some of that a little bit, but for the most part, you know, in Hotshot, it was just call the load, call the load, call the broker, ask them, pick it up here and here, double check the dimensions, tell them where your truck is, tell them the rate you're trying to be at. They say no, you tell them, have a nice day, uh, or you say, well, meet me in the middle or something, whatever the case may be. But really, it's been, it's been like that the entire five years. But the attitude towards Hotshot has changed, as in more brokers now are certainly posting like brokers nowadays are posting artificially high weights so that hot shots don't call on it. Right. Right. They're posting right. a load might be only 9,000 pounds, but they're posting 19,000 pounds just so that a hot shot doesn't call. Um, right. And brokers now in the comments, they put no hot shots um, and they put in all caps too. Like, so they're really yelling, no hot shots, you know? Uh, also brokers are now, they are posting a hot shot rate and a flatbed semi rate, two different rates. 
like, but they're going to invoice the customer for the same thousand dollars, but they'll give 900 to a semi and only 500 to a hot shop. Right. But they're still going to invoice the customer for a thousand, right? So it's like, it's like okay, that's kind of that's suspicious. Um, so the, the attitude towards hotshot has certainly changed, and unfortunately, whereas before you could have gotten into hotshot um, really cheap, you know, trailers were you know seven to, seven to ten thousand dollars. Like my newest trailers were twenty thousand dollars, and so it's like hotshot is no longer a cheap alternative of getting into the transport industry. Um, it, it absolutely is not anymore. Um, and so that's certainly changed. And so it's like, it's squeezing it. Whereas hotshot was cheaper. It's now higher. And whereas the rates were good for hotshot, they're now lower. So it, it, it's squeezing the margin even more. So I ultimately think hotshot doesn't make a whole ton of sense um, unless maybe they change the insurance requirements for under 26,000 or something like that. I don't know. But right, right now, I don't think it makes sense. Yeah. Cause, and, and just from the, my, my point of view, the broker side of this is I will, I, I will post loads, no hot shots. And it's almost like either they don't know that they're a hot shot or, or they, they don't. So a hot shot will show up and I will have customers that won't load a hot shot and I'll say no hot shots and a hot shot will show up. Right. So it's like, did you forget you were a hot shot? Cause I asked for a step deck. Um, did you not know what type of equipment you're running? So it's like, did you forget you were a, whoa. Oh, that was you. Okay. Um, so at this point, there, the reasoning for some brokers to do that is because hot shots are showing up when a customer might not load a hot shot. They could have had a bad experience with a hot shot, or hot shot says it can do 12,000 pounds, or, or I'm sorry, 15,000 pounds, and it can only do 12,000 pounds. And now, you know, the, the load gets there's something wrong with it, right? That type of situation. So, a customer yeah. would look, I'd rather have a step deck show up. So, if the load actually weighs you know, 15,000 rather than 13,000. I'm not worried about a hot shot not being able to do a $2,000 difference. I'm, I'm sorry, not worried about a step deck being able to do a $2,000 difference. So I, what I want, the other thing I want to do with this interview was correct the, some of the stuff from my side, the broker side that you were having issues with um, so that when you open your next trucking company, we do it right. And we make sure that we, you know, I get you in the, on the right foot. Because you know, that's where you're going, right? Eventually. Well, I don't think I'm going to open another trucking company, unfortunately. Uh, and you know that still, as a broker, like, dude, I remember because I started working as a dispatcher, and I remember as a dispatcher when a trucker would like when when, when the guy I was loading, it would come out to be 17 feet instead of 15 feet. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, my thought process was like, bro, it's two feet, chill out. My thought process was. Yeah. But until I got on the road and I actually hold something that was 17 feet versus 15 feet, it's like, no, 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 no. We agreed to a rate and a size and a weight. Okay. Correct. We agreed to that. It's now different. And it's like, I understand why truckers get frustrated because brokers, they, they don't, for the most part, generally speaking, right? It's like, for the most part, many brokers, they don't, they've never been on the road. They've never been behind the wheel of any kind of vehicle other than their car. And it's like, they don't understand that there is a big difference. What 17 feet you overhang at 15, you're legal. It's like, okay. Right. So it's like every, like every foot matters. And so it's like brokers. And I don't know if it's all the brokers fault. Maybe they just get customers that just willy nilly don't use a tape measure or something, or the customer just sends them a dimension, whatever. And it's not even close, or they add it a little bit later on something that the broker was unaware of. So it's like, I don't know exactly who's to blame in those instances, but it's certainly frustrating that like, 
a load gets a little bit bigger and the trucker oftentimes doesn't get compensated for that. Right. And, and when you're negotiating stuff, like you just said, when, it, when I, I buy a full truckload, I'm like, I don't I don't know what it is. I need 40 foot. You got 40 foot. Yeah. Okay. Here's your rate. Now what I do not do is for me. And, and I, I don't care if you're a step deck or hotshot, you're getting the same rate. I don't care. Don't, you know, you know what I mean? So the, I've never, tweaked it for a hot shot unless the customer's like hey i want a hot shot then i have to give a hot shot price to the customer but if they're like hey i'm bringing you know if i'm quoting a step deck and a hot shot can do it that's the, the my hot shots get the same rate as a step deck would right? because i to me it's just i'm paying for the 40 foot of, of freight i don't want complaining i don't want you, you're still got a truck get it make it happen um and even the load that, that you did you know it, the system that you had sent me a picture i did I was not told. Okay. Uh, Told Piglet did a load for me that the driver showed up. And once he shows up, the driver takes a picture of the load and that would get emailed to me or I could log in and I could see the picture of the load. Well, the load, he tarped something. And I'm like, I, I knew nothing of the tarp. The customer never told me tarp. That's a perfect example. So if he didn't have a tarp, he might not have been able to do the load. So I immediately said, damn. And I threw you maybe maybe allegedly I threw you an extra no and threw you some extra cash on that one to basically say hey I didn't know about the tarp you tarped it you didn't ask for it but right. I just hey uh, it's a you know you only tarped like two pallets threw you an extra fifty bucks and basically said here I didn't know about that I apologize but not all brokers do that but I'm the broker I'm not the customer agent I'm not a salesperson on the phone you're going to my customer so right. a lot of people that you talk to they're just phone answerers correct. Uh, for, yeah, they're just like reps or agents or something. They're not actually the broker that secured the freight from the customer. Um, a lot of the a lot of the big care a lot of the big brokerages they don't they have one broker that makes the sales and actually you know shows the shippers or the receivers what what they offer and then oftentimes it's just assistance basically you know right. it's just a it's a broker assistant that's oftentimes what they are um, and talking to broker assistants is certainly frustrating because that's a guy that just got out of school and you know it's his first job and it's gonna look decent on his re resume but right. they're not a broker they're just an assistant they take the calls and um and they stick to a script and the broker just types in the notes what they can offer and that's it so right um yeah but still ultimately man i like um you know i think what will happen to freight brokers is the same thing that happened to stock brokers okay here and just we, like there's a robin hood um right now like robin hood is available for everyone just like there's a bunch of these other ones mm -hmm. Inevitably, there will be like a few apps that dominate most of the marketplace, right? The whole curve, right? That that whole thing. It's like 20% yeah. of the apps are going to ship 80% of the freight in, in a certain amount of time and, and give it five, five to seven years, whatever it may be. Um, maybe there's going to be an art. Like I understand there's going to be an argument for like specialized or something, right. but it's like that that's going to be a, a different scenario. But uh, but really for most most situations, like probably all drive in and reefer loads, it's all going to be on the apps. Sure. And some of the, some of it, yes, and yay and nay. But the issue is that we've talked about this where I disagree is a lot of what brokers also do is deal with you when you when trucks break down. Right. You break down. Now I've got a cross dock. Now I've got to figure out how I'm going to do this. Now that app, that computer is not going to be able to do what I needed to do. How long are you going to be broke down for? Where do I, can I cross dock? How important is the freight? Is it just in time freight? And, and those type of situations happen every single day. And, and that's where, you know, human interaction at this point, not saying AI wouldn't do it eventually, um, is needed more. You know, we have self-driving trucks that are coming. We are, you know, self-driving trucks coming first. No, brokers are going to go first. And, and we go back and forth on this. Right. But it's, it's one of those situations that 
the, the actual movement and logistics is way more involved from the upper management aspect, right? right. Than the driver behind the wheel. And I think that's where either was it uh, JB Hunt or, or Coyote, like they have a couple of terminals now where you just do power only. And so then even if a, a driver does break down, usually they could just get another, they could repower that load really easily. So, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's nice that some brokerages are definitely stepping up to the plate to, uh, to stepping up to the plate to try to do a little bit more and a little bit better. Um, that's nice. But, but yeah, ultimately, man, <laughs> like it, it, it sucks that I had to close down, but like, you know, I learned a lot and I'm, I'm grateful for it, but it, inevitably I'm trying to look at it as optimistically as possible. And so I'm trying to look at it as more of the, the cup is half full, not half empty. Um, so I'm excited. I don't know what the next venture is going to be, but I am excited for the next venture. Right. And, and like I said, and I, I you know, um, I, I'm going to give you exactly why you had to shut down. Cause I know exactly where you went wrong numerous times and I can pre point them out. You just asked me and I can tell you, but also I want to move on. Cause there's eventually going to be some throwdown uh, yelling uh, somewhere on this uh, show. Luckily I can mute you. No, I'm just kidding. But either way there, there's going to be some disagreements here. So, I want to try. So you 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 get that, and you're kind of moving this industry, and you said, "Hey, um, I got my own authority. I'm making some money. When's the transition from, let's say, owner operator to carrier?" Okay, so that I, I consider owner operators. You're driving the truck. You're doing it. Carrier means I, I I want some other people. Right, and that's actually the hardest part of the business. That transition from you driving the truck to you managing the business, right? Not working not working in the business, working on the business, that transition is the hardest. And the reason for that is because then, like, obviously I have, you know, I have a house, I have my own personal bills. So I have a certain personal amount of overhead that has to be then, instead of coming from the truck and the loads that I use and deliver, it has to then be split up across all the trucks that I have. And so ultimately that, that decision came, um, last year in July, in July, I believe is when I delivered like my last load and I came home and I said, I told my wife, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. No more on the road. Right. And at that point, I believe we had six trucks. So essentially you could say like, you know, my, my salary, that was the salary that I needed to pay myself was then split up across multiple trucks. Right. Mm -hmm. um, instead of it coming just from my truck and my loads. Um, and so, and, and that's the, the, that is the hardest part because it's like, you might be stuck at two trucks because maybe one has a breakdown. And as soon as that one has a breakdown, you're done with it. And then you go run some freight on it and then your truck breaks down and then you got to fix your truck and that's downtime. And then finally you might get a third one. And then now you have three trucks, but three trucks is still not enough to split your own bills across the three trucks. Cause then there's not enough revenue or profit in each one. And so you got to get a little bit more, but each time you get another truck, more and more problems come up, slowing you down. Like, actually making it more harder or diff more difficult for you to go out um, and like totally park the truck. Um, so, um, and, and this is probably where owner operators come in where like owner operators kind of take care of their own equipment. And so um, like that, I, I see why at least on owner operators exist because it helps the carriers, but it's also a benefit for them because they don't have to, you know, go out there and get shocked with the insurance prices and all that stuff. So there is a win-win there. Uh, but ultimately uh, like last year in, in, in July, that was when the time came to actually like park the truck and, and, and sit at home. So you actually had, cause you had, so you had six drivers. So when you, what was your first decision to bring on one driver? Was it basically, you're like, okay, I'm ready to bring on a driver. No. So actually the first thing I did was I actually took on an owner operator. So that was my first, okay. so I was, I was running under my own MC. I took on an owner operator. 
and uh, and then I took on a second owner operator, and then I was and then after that I was like, you know what, man, I probably shouldn't do owner operators anymore. Uh, and then then I took on my own company truck. Um, so, all right, so th- just. Real quick, so I know how the system works, because there's various ways that this system works. So when you brought an owner-operator, did they pick their own freight, or did you find them freight? The first two owner-operators, yes, they found their own freight. That was the agreement I had, because I didn't have dispatchers in place. I didn't have any of that. So I just said, hey, you're you're obviously, you know what you're doing. You have experience. Book your own loads. Boom, done. You're good to go. Pay your own insurance. Book your own loads. Run under my, my MC. Okay. And then you get a company driver, and he's obviously not finding his own freight, because he's a company driver. He, you're, you have a dispatcher. Are you With the your company driver? I, I try to have a dispatcher and then actually try to have a, a dispatch service. And then I actually ended up booking him and myself for a month, like by myself while I was training another dispatcher. Um, and then, and then that dispatcher, he learned the ropes and he, he did a good job and he's been with me since. All right. Okay. So then you get up to six trucks and you're like, okay, I'm now profiting enough on the uh you know having these trucks that i can kind of stay home and try to run operations correct right and so uh and so from six trucks or so um i what what i did it's it's funny because like looking back at it now it's like uh like that was actually if you go to the channel that was actually those videos where i was like building a hotshot fleet week one week two week three up to 11 like those were those 11 weeks that's like that's right when i got off the road um, I started doing the weekly vlog of everything I was doing. So, and at that point, that was just like onboarding, um, meeting with new guys and fixing any problems with the current guys, um, setting up, putting systems in place for like, whether it be um, like how to send paperwork, trainings, putting all that stuff, like building out the website. That was essentially those, um, that's, that's what I was doing. Just operations, managing maintenance and onboarding, um, all that stuff. Okay. So you got, uh, you got these drivers, you're rocking and rolling, and you're turning mega profits at this point. Uh, I would definitely wouldn't call it mega profits. What? You're not you're not turning all kinds of money with all these trucks? Uh, no, because at the end of the day, it's it's like uh, you got to like the profit that I was making consistently kept going back into the business, right? And so, a big example was I bought that property that I still have, and so right. like that required a deposit or a down payment. And mm-hmm. like, well, then, so then you you stack up some cash and then you buy the property. Uh, you you finance eighty percent of it or whatever the bank requires, eighteen twenty percent down. So then you buy the property, right? And then you start building up a little bit again, and you're like, oh hey, trailer dealer just called. I can get some more trailers. Okay, great. Then you start building up a little bit more. You're like, oh okay, great. I need some tarps for the trailers or whatever the case may be. So there is always an ongoing expense or like an improvement. There is always the uh, the goal to improve something with the extra capital. So it's not like I just paid myself a fat dividend every month. You know what I mean? That certainly wasn't the case. I, I put myself on salary and I stayed on salary the entire time, but really it was always just reinvesting back into the business. And I mean, at this point it's like, man, um, I had nice tarps, but it's like, <laughs> could have my driver had worse tarps, but I would have had more on the reserves right now. It's like, maybe, I don't know. Right. Right. And, and if those things you don't know, so, all right. So you got up to how many trucks? 27. So you had 27 trucks, yeah. uh, uh, lease drivers and company drivers still. Correct. Five company drivers and the rest were owner operators. Owner operators and owner operators still picking their own freight at that time. No, no. We had a dispatch. Uh, we had like the dispatcher that I trained with just me and my company driver. I, when I was loading him and myself, um, yeah. I trained the dispatcher and then, um, he became the office manager and then he hired and trained people after that. And so there was five dispatchers in the office. 
Okay, so they weren't finding their freight. They had somebody that was finding it. Okay. That's right. Now, basically, you had... Uh, well, let me do, I actually, let's go to the, let's roll that beautiful bean uh, footage here. So I'm going to turn this on here and I want to go to uh, this one first. This was a year ago, younger looking guy, much happier guy. Um, and this is one of the things that you have a serious problem with. Right. Let's hear where he's at here on uh, August 5th of 2021. And that's correct. July oh, is on. in the books. We can close the chapter of July 2021. And so that means it's time to break down July's revenue. I listen to everything at high speed, so I, I let's get this drum roll started. Okay, are you guys ready? Because here the numbers are very mm, uh, mods. If you can drop his link in there, um, Toe Piglet, that you guys got his link. If you could drop it for him, that'd be great. Okay, you don't have to play it, dude. The numbers. Oh no! Oh no! We're playing it. I really hate hearing yourself talk. Better, but I, then again, really not bad numbers. So one hundred and sixty-six thousand two hundred and five dollars. First thing I want to do is issue a slight correction. Numbers because I had my data in two different tables. Finally, I spent like literally eight hours putting all of the data, transferring each load, making sure it's on the right settlement and all that good stuff, making sure everything lines up finally, transferring data from one Airtable into this current version of Airtable. And what happened was I must have missed some loads or calculated incorrectly. But right here, you can see that I have January 30,550. That's correct. February 41,400, incorrect. It was 44,2. March 59,623. It was actually 66,673. April 87,7. And that's not the case. It was 93,4. And then the other one was 90 something. And it was actually 105. But the 136 in June. Now, the reason I'm showing this is you definitely put all your information on the glass. You were definitely one of the guys out there that definitely said, here's, here's, here's my numbers. Here's what I'm doing. I'm not hiding anything. Uh, I'm working my butt off and I'm showing you every aspect of, of what I did. Right. And that is, uh, it's, it's commendable because now people can see and say, okay, now they might not be able to mimic you. Right. Because obviously you might have a different ethic or drive or motivation and stuff like that than others. Right. Let's be honest, but at least they can see what could be done if, if with that motivation. Right. So with the, like with the same amount of effort, and like the same maybe um, uh, passion or enthusiasm for uh, for building your business, it's like here's the realistic outcome that you could maybe achieve. Right now, and we did go into let me see if I can one thirty six seven zero four. Hang on, it's like every time I need to grow, I need more hardware, more trucks, more. Trucks. All right, here's the part I want to six two zero five. So a couple of things like you can tell it's growing, right? We can actually zoom in a little bit, so we can tell it's growing thirty forty four six six nine three one five one thirty six sixty six. I mean that's. That's like pretty quick. You know, that's good, good growth, all things considered, if I do say so myself, for a trucking business because it's like every time I need to grow, I need more hardware, more trucks, more trailers. But what that does for us for the year to date, right at the bottom, you can see 642,987 on the year to date. And that is absolutely crazy because even if we don't grow anymore and we hover right around the 150 mark, we'll be well past the million dollar goal that I set earlier this year. So, I mean, that is, it's uh, it's crazy, honestly, to think about because I know sometimes I don't maybe translate it very well in the videos, but like that is a ridiculously unexpected number. I didn't think we would actually hit it. Oftentimes when I said- Did you hit your number? Yeah, well, I mean, in 2021, we ended up doing like 1.9 actually. 1.9. 
And yeah, in February, like the thing is though, like look at that. Like in in February, we did forty four thousand. Okay, in January we had two trucks. It was me and my company driver. And in February, I make a public YouTube video saying, "Hey, we're gonna do a million dollars this year." When we did thirty thousand halfway through February or whatever it was, you know. So it was absolutely a long shot, crazy goal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was one of those things where it's like um, the desire to do the million dollars. The only thing is like, I tried to, I really wanted to do a million dollars gross with company drivers. Right. And so that, that changed, you know, probably midway through the year when I was like, dude, I think it's going to be impossible to do with Mm -hmm. company drivers. I need to start taking on some owner operators. Right. And so taking on the owner operators really um, like it's, it's, it's funny because taking on owner operators made me learn actually so much faster. And this is the whole like blitz scaling mentality that uh, startups in um, in uh, California use. Like blitz scaling is so important because it just it, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Blitz scaling. Define blitz scaling so they so they understand. Uh, I, I think it's come. It comes from a German term that they used in war. Like you don't necessarily have to go out to property that you already have like roads to. You could just like like take a long shot and bomb ahead and then conquer it and then figure then build the roads there later, basically. Uh, right. But, uh, but blitzscaling in, in software or in like startup is a common thing where they just like, like think about the scooters, right? They would just go drop scooters off whether they had users or not. And then because the scooters were there and all the other things were so refined, um, the people would, it would, they would get the customers. Right. So right. it was, it's more or less like get as many customers as possible and figure out how to become profitable later. That's kind of the methodology, uh, I had like, Hey, let's just take on as many trucks and figure out how to be profitable later. And unfortunately, unless you're a well-funded startup, you know, maybe not a good idea to blitz scale, uh, like looking at it back now, but really, um, I wanted to do it for the longest time with, with company drivers, but I realized that was impossible. And so I started taking on owner operators. And when yeah. I started taking on owner operators, that really made me grow fast. Um, like that, that like made the numbers grow quickly, but also it made like me refine my skills very quickly. Like when I was talking about the air table thing, like, dude, I had to switch systems every six months, I had to build out a new system every six months because I realized the mistakes I made in the previous software version and I would update it every six months. And so right. it was, you know, it, it's like watching YouTube is awesome, but it's like a lot of people don't see that the hundred hours a week that I would spend for a couple of weeks rebuilding the entire system every six right. months. And you, I mean, you can just tell by this face right here. Look how young, look how young and, and energetic uh, he looks. Um, just to you. That's because I'm clean shaven over there, dude. This is, you know, I'll look just like that if I if I shave my beard, shave right now. Here's the other thing too. So you also ran into the insurance problem, and you, know, you and, and it's like I've been in five and a half years now. I started November of 2015 as a non CDL hotshot, and I'm still a non CDL hotshot. So. Again, still non-CDL hotcha. You are still a non-CDL hotcha. Yeah, on year five, it definitely wears you down. And I cannot stress that enough. But I mean, I still like the money that I was making, you know, and especially it, like there was a dip and then it picked back up. So it was like, you know, like being on the road is fun, yeah. but just not on year five. You know what I mean? So, um, but once you go into insurance, so you run into the, um, the insurance deal here. And I want right. to talk so, a little bit about this one. Right. So the, you're absolutely right. There's some people in the chat saying he grew way too fast. And Cur- you know, I think insurance companies are not dumb. Okay. Correct. They have a certain amount of risk that they're okay with. And I thought I was smarter than the insurance companies. And so right. when the insurance company told me 
Alex, uh, you're a good guy. We like you, uh, but we're setting a five truck limit. So Correct. You can only take on five more trucks. That's yep. it. And they told me that, of course, once I took on five more trucks, they told me that after, not before, right? They don't tell you before because they want to make that money first, obviously. Yeah. They want to rip you off, take you all your, you know, take as much money from you as possible and then tell you, oh, by the way, you're at the limit, uh, right. which is hilarious. But but they told me that there's a limit. And that's where I switched companies to three by Berkshire Hathaway. And they did not have a limit. Mm. And so I went from two trucks to seven trucks. Mm -hmm. And. And I hit my limit and then I shot, started shopping for new insurance, switched insurances. And from there, it was just like, bring them. Oh, great. Let's open the floodgates, baby. Let's go. Everybody can get on. If you have the, you know, basically if you have any kind of um, experience pulling a trailer and if you have a pickup truck and a 40 foot non-CDL yeah. trailer, great. You can come to work. So if you have, if, if you're breathing and you have any type of opportunity where you can drive some type of truck and a clean license, bring it on basically. Not really. Okay. I wouldn't go that far. I did actually have to say no to a lot of people that applied a lot. Like I would probably get a hundred applicants a month and I would hire only four or five. Okay. So, okay. so it's, it's not like I would hire everyone and like my safety score is good. My accidents are good. Everything is good. You know? So I tried to vet guys as much as possible, but really the metric was like, if you have some kind of experience pulling a trailer, right? I don't want complete new guys um, backing a 40 footer because it is pretty hard and your overall length is still 65 feet. But if you had some kind of experience pulling a trailer, if you have a truck that's a newer diesel and you have a 40 actual 40 feet of deck, great. We can, we can make it work. So, and this is something that a lot of owner operators do. They, a lot of owner operators, they get in, they know a bunch of friends like, Hey, yeah, come drive for me. And then they start bringing on some of their buddies and things like that. And they get up to like five or six trucks. And then the insurance is like, <laughs> halt. And, yeah. right? and then they say, well, that's not good enough. I want more. And they reached out and they find other insurance. So let me ask this. If I were to ask you, who is your, who's your maintenance, head of maintenance? If I were to call up Toe Pig, let me like, okay, can I speak to head of maintenance? Who would that be? You're talking to him right now. All right. No, all right hang on. Uh, fine. Uh, can I speak to your operations manager? Uh, I would transfer you to Sam. To Sam. All right. Uh, head of operations. Basically, who's the head of operations? Uh, that would, well, I mean, that would kind of be me because I'm kind of involved in every part of the business. Okay. Um, so but Sam I, is definitely head of like head of dispatch. So he's cool. like, if you book a, if like, if you're a direct customer and you book a load with me, I would do all the paperwork with you. Like we would sign some stuff. We would get it in the system. And then yeah. I would say, Hey, Sam, here's this direct customer load. It has to be picked up by here and here, here, like the dates show on the thing. Find yeah. the truck. All right. So if I were to ask, uh, who's the, who can I speak with your CFO? Uh, that'd probably be Diana. Diana and your CEO would be you. And then um, safety. Uh, that's me. That's you. Okay. Um, sales. That's me. Okay. You, you seem to be filling a lot of roles here. <laughs> and most of the people I talk to, I do the same test and they answer. That's me to all of them. Right. Cause they don't have, they didn't even have the foundation of people. And when I say, okay, well how much sales does your top salesperson bring in? Well, uh, like sales, how much sales are you, is that, is your top salesperson actually bringing in? Okay. So hold on. You're asking like, who's the top dispatcher and how much loads is my no. top dispatcher book? Or are you saying like actually direct customer sales, direct customer sales? Who's your top salesperson? Oh, that would be me. I book all the direct customers. How loads. much sales is your top salesperson bringing in? Uh, right around 10% of the gross. So right around 25 to $30,000 a month, $30,000 a month. And how much do you pay them? How, I'm on salary, baby. 
Yeah. So, and, and here's my point to this. Everybody wants to dive in and get more trucks and more trucks and more trucks, but nobody thinks about getting sales. And every one of these, every one of you guys are a service industry. And yet you don't have a salesman who you can say my top salesman brings in $1 million. My top sale, you know what I mean? So you here you are growing with all these trucks, bringing in all these trucks because that's where you think the money is. When nobody stops you and said, stop, you need to start bringing in customers and you need to establish sales. Right. But the only rebuttal I have to that is how can you go out and do sales if you don't have any capacity? But you do have capacity now. You had six trucks. You had seven trucks before you had no. 27. Dude, that's not enough, man. You come on, like, you know have, dude, even with even with 17 trucks. How many trucks do I have? How many trucks do I have? How many trucks do I have? Uh, I don't know. A million? None. 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 I have no trucks. Right. I have a brokerage. I have a brokerage. And so if I were to come to you and say, you have 29 trucks, 29 trucks, you have capacity. And, and, and this is, and, and I just want, and this is the same test I do with a lot of people. And I say, what is your role? Who can I, I'm looking for this person. I'm looking for this person. I'm looking for this person. And then when I ask for their sales and market, it's the same person. I'm like, how could you possibly be the person that's supposed to bring all the money in? Your top paid person should be a salesperson, right? You know that you were in sales. They should be making the dough because they're bringing the dough. And yet we've a lot of this is where the insanity is. The insanity to me is all these carriers want to bring on more and more trucks, but none of them want to bring on salespeople. Is that is that do you feel that that's kind of where you went wrong? Um, I don't think so. I think uh, maybe I mean, it's hard to say. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I would say a lot of a lot of the issues that I had with sales could have been fixed. Um, like I could have streamlined some of the and, and the new like I was working on version five of the website. And so the newest version was going you to correct software uh, too. You were IT also. Yeah, I would say I was CEO, uh, CTO, and uh, CMO. <laughs> chief chief executive, chief operations, chief technology, and chief marketing. Wow. And this is where, so this is some of the stuff I did want to talk about, because I think this is where a lot of carriers and drivers and things get to the point that you get, you got monstrous. You got 29 trucks for all by yourself to be all those positions without a salesperson. How are you possibly making any money with no sales broker now? And then those brokers, they don't, their job is not to just bring up tow piglet sales department. And then you, there's a frustration in regards to this. So I wanted, I am going to watch this one and we're going to, we're going to critique this one. We're going to critique Toe Piglet and see where he went wrong. All right. All right. Let's hit the, now just so everybody knows, well, uh, when I got my CDL, I, I went to Coast Guard, came back out, bought my own truck. Um, 2008, I lost my truck. Uh, I hit that recession just like Toe did. And I, I crashed and burned. Um, I was three months behind and everything about ready to lose a, a house that we we're living in. We were sleeping on a floor on a mattress. I, you know, we were broke. I had $7 in the bank and I had to make a decision truck or brokerage. And I thought to myself, either I can drive one truck or I can, or I can broker thousands of trucks, which is a smarter decision for me. How good am I at sales? Which one can I control more? I chose my brokerage. And I moved and I moved on. I went for my brokerage. I got direct customers. And then I said, oh, crap. You know what? Uh, I could actually my freight now. I need trucks. 
And then I went to my, you know, I got trucks and I brought on a carrier. Now, I, and, and I, I specifically went to overdimensional freight because I could, you know, quantity over quality. I'm sorry, quality over quantity. And then I got drivers and when a driver, you know, his brother passed away and he had to come off the road and I'm still have that brokerage today. So I still have customers today and I'm still moving freight today. And I have really good relationships with drivers and things like that. So that's kind of my, the path that I took. So it isn't something that I, that I don't know, but I think, and tell me there is a very, in regards to trucking and where, once you get to the carrier point that you're that carrier, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that could help you get to that carrier point. But there's very little information on where to go from there. Correct? Would you say that I, on YouTube and and things like that? Like how to how to become like a five truck carrier? There's a lot of information. Like once you get to that carrier thing, but it's like where do I go from here? Like w- w- the point that you reached at 29 trucks, there was very little information on how do I maintain this? How do I keep doing this? Like what's my next progression into that next category correct it was 27 trucks just just be accurate 27 um but yeah well it's funny because i recently watched the freight waves like article and they actually mentioned that a lot of companies struggle at 30 trucks because they're just big enough to start getting direct customers but then they notice and then at 50 trucks there's like like there is a gap in there somewhere so um so i didn't actually hit anything new or like that is a common problem and yeah more than likely though with with software i would have solved some of those issues for sure um and really it's just like it, when when you first start out you do the job and then you figure out how to train the person for the job And Mm -hmm. then you go on to the next job and then you do the job and you figure out how to train the person and then you move on to the next job. And so that's what I did with the core team, right? So first is I trained a dispatcher and then he then trained and managed the whole office. I trained Diana and then she ran all the books. I didn't have to double check, didn't have to verify. And that was literally where I was headed next was I started, like more and more companies were submitting their loads right through my website to me, directly to me. And so I would have to just call them and tell them, hey, um, we can do it for this rate and that's it. And so really that's the stage where I was at where it's like I could start making get, getting more direct customers if I just made the software a little bit better, which I was working on the new version. And if I just put somebody to answer the phones or just to make the calls and gave them a price sheet. So that was very much in the works. That was definitely going to happen. And slowly, like you put a good person in that position and then you can move on to the next position to tackle and then um, and then like train, you know. So that was definitely in the works. It was definitely going to come out. But the insurance price, the the way they raise the prices, like out of nowhere was the frustrating part. Right. And you and then when but you you opened a brokerage. Right. I did open a brokerage um, to me and you said, help me with this. Right. I, I don't I don't recall that. I don't recall that at all either. At all either. Even though we knew each other, even though I said I would, you said nope, gonna do it all by myself. How'd that go? How'd that go for you? Uh, I shut the brokerage down too. Go ahead. I'm listening. I, I shut. Well, first mistake of the brokerage is I called it Toe Piglet Logistics, and you don't want to use, reuse the same name. Even though Toe Piglet is a cool name, I shouldn't have called it Toe Piglet Logistics. But second of all, the the reason I wanted to open the brokerage was just to let it sit there, let it age, right? Because a lot of companies won't even factor with you. Um, so like I was, the goal was just to let it age, start building credit. Um, but like looking back at it now, I could have just become an agent for some uh, for a different brokerage and that's it like i literally just could have become an agent and i wouldn't have to worry about factoring setting setting any of that up um so it would have been uh it would that probably would have been the smarter thing to do 
So that, and I'm not diving into this because this is one of the things too that that I tell people to do all the time. Get the brokerage; it's cheap to get. Don't put it at the same address. Don't put it in the same name because insurance companies will find any reason to raise your insurance, including having a brokerage with a carrier, which makes no sense to me. But whatever. And some carriers, if they find out you have a brokerage, won't give you freight if you don't have enough trucks for that. So the brokerage is your sales department, correct? Right. That that's what it, it would be. Yeah. Right now. And, and this is kind of where I think the, 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 the problem lies. So Toe Piglet did not call me, did not reach out to me, did not ask for my help, even though I would have said, yeah, no problem, bro. What, what do you, how do you want to do? And I'll spend hours. Let you tell me how you want to hook this up. I'll hook you up like a tow truck. He did it on his own and he shut it down. But dude, you're you're a busy guy, man. You're covering the news, dude. It's a you know oh, what I mean. The, the news is is always always crazy, and so it's like you, you got you know. You, I was covering the news back then. I had enough time to call you on the phone for you to tell me that my videos were too long almost every day. So I don't want to hear it because you constantly tell me my videos are too long. So, but I think this is where. I see a ton of uh, problems with carriers that go and they do this route, right? As a carrier, they go and they do this route and they don't focus on trying to get direct customers for their drivers and starting that process because that process takes time. I mean, you had five years in and you had, I think your numbers was uh, 20% direct customers. Yeah. 20% would be like brokers that use us consistently and direct customers. Right. So now you would have had more because if you would have had somebody out there doing sales or you would have been doing sales, you could have brought more in, but it would have took that time. So it's something that should have been started early on because that's your consistency. That's your baseline. And let me explain. I'm going to throw some numbers out here. So the load that you did, I can't, I'm not exactly sure what I paid you. You could probably pull it up. Um, or, or I, I, cause I'm not pulled up. I think I had your load number. Uh, I don't know the load number. Oh, Kansas. Can you pull up a spice city? Uh, I should be able to Kansas city going where going to Pennsylvania. Let's see what it is. All right. So on the brokerage side, what I tried to explain this, and this is where I think the insanity goes. A lot of carriers go out there and they don't realize the importance of having a sales department, even though they're in a service industry. And even McDonald's has a sales department and a flyer and a marketing department. And we all know who McDonald's is. They don't emphasize that and they don't realize the importance of that. So the importance of that is when my had my carrier is my brokerage the the even though I had two trucks, I might have five loads. So three of those loads would go on outside carriers. That money that I make doesn't have all. You have some, but you don't have as much expense as a carrier does. So a lot more of that money can be profit. Now I don't have to take as much. I think. Uh, do, you, do you pull it up? No, I'm I'm looking. It's, it's I'm I'm hold on. It's I might have been wrong with uh, Pennsylvania, or did it go the other way from Penn? I know it's Kansas City because you came down from Chicago. Um, right. You remember that? What I is th- your email end in? Dot com. No, before <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, it would be uh, uh agency. Okay, hold on. That, that. Hold on, hold on. What was the rate on it, dude? Do you remember? I think it, I think I paid you twenty two, and it ended up being twenty two fifty, uh, with that tarp. I think I had twenty seven fifty in it. Okay. All right, okay. so as a broker, I, I, I now, 
Perfect example in, in regards to this, this in that brokerage because everybody's like, well, how much does broker made? I just moved another load in Texas that I paid the carrier twenty two, and I had twenty five in it. These are legal. These are legal loads, right? Did you find it? Yes, am I, I did. Uh, am I right with twenty two fifty? Yes, it was no twenty five fifty. Twenty five. Okay, so twenty. So I had twenty nine fifty. So I had twenty nine fifty in that load. Hey, so, bro, you gypped me for four hundred dollars, Eric. Seriously, four hundred dollars now uh, because I'm well worth that four hundred dollars. So, because uh, you couldn't afford me as a salesperson by yourself, let me tell you that much right now. You couldn't afford me. So, but it's it's one of those things that now that money that four hundred dollars compared to the expenses that I have outbound, it becomes that baseline. That becomes the baseline for you to be able to offset other expenses with that brokerage. But look, the problem is, man, like if you're shipping one mm-hmm. or two or five loads a month, mm-hmm. there's not enough profit on those five loads a month to pay for your own household bills. And so it's almost like the argument for starting a brokerage or starting a trucking company is like, oh, just make a ton of money beforehand. No, no. Well, you already have the trucking company to bring to brought that somebody on with that brokerage to possibly do that as the sales and, and run that through is is the starting of your sales department. Your core was your trucking company. Then that sales department would have offset the, the expenses of that, being able to find additional loads, being able to say, hey, I've got 27 trucks. I've got 20 trucks. I've got 10 trucks. But I also have other guys that can run underneath me that I can fire, that I can do this with. That is your extension of not having enough equipment. Yeah, that, that would have been another a whole nother hat that I would have put on. You know what I mean? Like I'm already wearing a lot of hats. So I was trying to put like I was trying to get to a point of, of the trucking business where, like you said, you know, I would have I, I would have a maintenance person that would take care of all my company trucks and any emergencies that happen on the road. I would have a um, obviously I'd have Diana. She would take care of all the accounting. Oh, and the, let, me the let me ask this. Is it more pro- is it more is it smarter to have you doing maintenance or sales? I would say probably better for me to do sales. Yeah, yeah. You probably hire someone to do maintenance because you could possibly be out there making a million dollars worth of sales with what with a phone call or a house call or some type of situation, right? Right. Yeah. So it's also that mindset that it, it it it. But you're not the only one that makes this mindset. This is where I call the insanity part because this is it, it's almost like I see it all the time, all the time. I see the same thing happening. So right. it, it's not just you, right? But what I'm trying to do is use. So this had to be said. This had to be said because it's the same errors and the same mistakes carriers get to that point. And it separates mega carriers from the other ones because the mega carriers, real how uh, they realize how important that sales is, how important that salesperson is to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be underneath this trailer fixing brakes. Uh, maybe I should be trying to get bring in a million dollar contract with somebody because I got all these contacts. I've got this YouTube page. I'm a good talker. People like listening, you know, talking to me and stuff like that. You know, right? You've got sales skills, but right. it, and that's where you. But you enjoyed the mechanic skills, right? Uh, not really, dude. And I, 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 I hired a maintenance guy uh, for a short time. You know that, like I know I didn't enjoy doing maintenance. I just always did it well, and so the trailers were always in good condition because of that. And the drivers rewarded from there. The drivers were rewarded because of it. Then they because they never broke down. So um, I had a maintenance guy. I was training him. Like all of this stuff was in the works simultaneously. You know, mm-hmm. the big wrench in the gears that came to a grinding halt is. Like is the insurance like when they when they jack your premiums the way they did it doesn't matter whether you had a I mean I guess it would have mattered if I had a, would have had a sales department but it would have been tough because I didn't have enough trucks to because customers would dude 
right now with like with mm -hmm. 17 trucks, dude, I had a customer call me, um, Hey, Nashville, Tennessee to North Carolina. Okay. Called you. Perfect. A, a, a Perfect. direct customer. Direct Perfect. customer. Let's go with it. Go with it, baby. Go with it. Tell me, tell me. Okay. So Here's direct customer calls me, says, Alex, I got a load for you. Okay. I'm like, great. We can do it. It's five yeah. feet. Uh, yeah. no, it's 20 feet, 5,000 pounds, right? right? 20 feet. I quote him 310 a mile. Yeah. 20 feet, 5,000 pounds is half the trailer. 310 right. a mile. Correct. 310. But I told them, I'm like, dude, I can't get a truck in there till next Wednesday. Right. You can't. It was, it was Thursday, right? right? So I tell him, I'm like, hey, in six days, we'll have a truck up there. Um, and, it, and he goes like, great, that works for me. And like, that's the problem with like not enough trucks is like, whoa, whoa. If you had a brokerage, could you have covered that load? I mean, technically, yes, but I don't on that load and covered that load. I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to join the dark side. Okay. okay. I don't want to be a broker. <laughs> the truth comes out. And well, and this is where I, this is where another thing that they do. So when you get insurance and you have direct customers now, rather than just, Oh, I'm out. I'm out of the game. I'm completely out of the game. The, your brokerage can still keep you making money with those direct customers using those outside carriers. Right. And they, I, I, I get that, bro. I get it. I know. And the problem is, is that I offered this to you. And when, when the, the time you're like, I got this, I got this, no big deal. I'm not taking a phone call from this guy. He can't even make a video short. How's he going to tell me how to move freight? So he won't even listen to me, you know, how, how to make a video. And I've got a hundred thousand subscribers at the time. And he's got like four, you know, not 4,000, but actually four. And then he listened to me and uh, I'm not going to listen to him. So I do want to dive in this because your insurance story is not the, the standard thing, right? It's not the normal thing. Cause so, the, cause the CSA came out and even CSA, did you, when you first started driving, was it CSA? Was that involved? Did you have CSA? Cause I didn't have, when I first started, I, I didn't have the CSA crap. No, it's been, been the same since I started. But okay. Hold on. What do you mean? The insurance is not normal. I, I've talked to numerous carriers now and they're saying, yeah, premiums are jumping 40 to 50%. No, no, no. Your insurance company dumping you in a matter of, hey, sorry, you're out in seven days. Oh, okay. Not that yeah. it's not normal. It, th that, was, that was a bull shit, shit situation. That was like, right. are you kidding me? That, that's, that shouldn't be normal. Let's put it that way. That aspect that happened to you, that sent you into panic mode. Um, so that I do want to put that story out here. So I'm going to play it and I, you can just listen to yourself talk of growing a business to a million dollars gross in a year. This is a, like I did uh, last year. This is my first time of doing a million dollars in literally 90 days, like I explained in the video that I uploaded recently. This is my first time of like, we're on track to do, we, we were on track to do $4 million gross revenue this year. My sticker didn't even make it to the top of his laptop. Damn. <laughs> this is a first time for everything. And it's actually a first time for a recession, for me to experience a recession. Right. And by all accounts, it does kind of look like we're in a recession. And uh, because I was I'm 29. And so in 2008, um, the previous recession, I believe like I was 18 or 19. Close enough. Like, young, naive, no clue. Right. So it doesn't really count. So this is my first like serious recession as an adult, uh, as a grown up, I would say, or, um, or kind of as a grown up. So there, there's there's been a lot of firsts. And unfortunately, this is also my first time of learning like what can happen, learning the um, like the bad side of like the economy or when things go south and all that stuff. And, and this is my first time shutting down a business also, unfortunately. So I know um, 
I know I didn't do a super great job. Um, and so if you're an owner operator or a driver or a dispatcher, um, I'm sorry, I try to do what's, I try to do what's right in the moment all the time. And so if, if you feel that, you know, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Like I said, it's literally the first time for all of this stuff. What did I do wrong? Okay. So first thing I'm gonna say is you're stubborn. You're you're stubborn. I'm I'm being straight up honest, but we will roll. And I do, uh, you know, the guys that did leave them, um, you know, that I, it's, it, I do feel bad for that those guys and stuff like that. But I did, I feel we needed to have this type of interview so that because there's a, there's you ain't gonna be the first, bro. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 gonna be it's gonna get worse before it gets even better at all. I really, I did three things. You could say actually kind of boils down to three things. Number one is I relied on my experience. Number two is I relied on a system I had in place. And number three, I relied on data. Okay. Let me break those down. So my experience, this is not my first insurance renewal. Okay. I, it usually comes down to the wire. No insurance company will give you a quote a month in advance because they'll give you a quote. You might sign up and like put it in place, put your money down and then crash that last month. That changes your rates. So insurance companies have no incentive giving you a quote in advance. And so I knew with my experience, right, I've done three previous insurance renewals. So I knew with my experience that it's going to come down to the wire, right? It's going to come down five days before we insurance is um, expiring. We're going to be shopping for quotes. I figured that would be the case. And I relied on my experience that the previous quotes, there was an increase in premium, but nothing out of the ordinary, nothing like maybe a marginal increase, maybe something, but it was never like, here's double, here's a double premium increase. It was never like that. And this did your insurance actually double 100%? Uh, it went from 24,000 for 17 trucks to 43. So a hair under borderline double. That's not a that's not a year. No, that, that's that's the monthly premium. So from 24,000 a month for the 17 trucks to actually 43,000 like $511 or whatever it was. Like right. I could literally pull it up but yeah, it was 20 from 24,000 to 43,000 and some change. Right. So, and because and, I want to make, I didn't want people to think, well, it's $40,000 and 29 trucks. That's not bad a year. That's not. That's yeah, a month. That's a month. <laughs> Monthly premium. Yes, sir. This is where I relied kind of on my system. So, the system that I had for this is I realized that instead of like, putting the money into the business account and then spending money out of the business account because things always happen and things always break. And so you're using money that's not yours. I decided, I'm like, you know what's better? Uh, and oh, so instead of using money that's not yours and then when the insurance payment is due, you're kind of like, oh darn, that kind of sucks. A big insurance payment is coming up, right? So instead of doing that, I realized, you know what? I can do one better. I call it RTS. RTS is a great factoring company. They have great fuel programs. I have a link in the description. It's a referral link. If you're looking for one, check it out. But I... Now I do. I also have one, but right now, like I said, if you are looking for factoring, you're welcome to click his link. Guys, we do this. Can you just deduct 10% of every load automatically and put it in reserves and then pay out the 90% like normal, right? So 10%. And over the course of the month, that would build up. And then when insurance is due, I have $25,000, $30,000 in reserves, right? Because we're doing about $300,000 gross a month. So I would have right around 30 grand in reserves. And it's like, great. And then when the insurance payment is due, fantastic, easy, transfer it, done, pay the insurance. Now, just so everybody knows, did you, uh, now a lot of people are upping their insurance or they're, they're going to the 2 million. Did, did you, was that even a quote for more insurance or that was still a quote for the insurance that you still had? I just want to make sure everybody understands that. Right. So actually the way three by Berkshire Hathaway works is they have one bundled plan. It comes with general liability, the million automobile liability, the cargo, the workers comp, uh, and that's it. Right. And the, and the comprehensive collision or whatever. So like 
they have one bundled plan. They cannot deviate from the bundle. So it's not like you could actually go get a choice. You you don't get a choice. It's not like I could have, I couldn't actually tell them, hey, I don't need the GL policy or the workers' comp because Texas doesn't require it. I, I can't even physically ask them to do that. So they are incapable of selling anything other than one bundled plan. That's that was the whole point. That's why it's called three, because their policy documents are three pages long. Right. That was the whole point of that. Like that's their branding and their marketing is through. It just simplifies the insurance. And mm -hmm. so it was the identical single plan that they offer, which is all of that coverage. Um, it doubled from 24 to 43. All right. All right. Super simple. Now, I was doing the same thing this month. Right. I was like, it's stacking up in the reserves. We got some of the money. We got we set aside the insurance money. But the quote. Like this is where the mistakes are. Like I relied on that I had money in reserves. I relied on my experience knowing that maybe they won't jack up my rates really high for some, for some unforeseen reason. And I also relied on the metrics, right? The data, like our safety score is below national average. We haven't had. Is it one time your safety score actually went, it was bad and you got it down. Yes, um, it was, I believe. Uh, I think it went up to, uh, uh, I think it went up to 25% or 28%. Right. And the national average is like 20 or something. Right. So, you, yeah. So, cause I remember that you got to a point and you're like, how do I get this down? And I had a DOT guy on and we're like, you got to go get, you know, stuff like that. So you actually improved. So it's not just, it's not just you improved from where you were. Okay. I'm, I'm just making sure everybody understands what you went through here. A single loss run, not a single loss run on paper. Now a loss run means basically if people don't know is a wreck would be a loss run, something like that. Uh, it's the, the insurance had to pay out basically drivers have damaged loads and I would pay out of pocket, but I haven't had a single claim on my insurance. There was one pending, but that's, they, they were in, you know, there's lawyers and all that stuff. So they're figuring it out. But, and the way the officer wrote it up, it kind of made it seem like it's not our fault actually. So, so th there's one pending, but in three and a half years of business, multiple trucks, not a single claim data, um, and, and safety score below national average, right. For the, for the vehicle, for the driver, we were slightly above, but like national average is 5%. I think we're at 8%, um, for out of service percentage. So like really all accounts, decent safety score, no, no bad accidents. Or so everybody just knows that the CFA uh, safety score, if you're not, is that, uh, DOT now gives you a grade, an average basically. And any, anything you do bad, you get points. The higher the points, the worse your score that stays on your record. The stupidest thing the system does is a warning is a point. A warning is the same as a ticket. It is the most ridiculous. So a cop might be like, look, man, I'm only giving you a warning here because you're able to fix it. It's just as bad. It's worse because now you can't fight it in court and get it to drop because it was a warning. That was my, it, the dumbest system I've ever seen um, was that CSA scores. Right. Dude, you can actually pull it up. Just go to Safer Company Snapchat. Yeah, I know. I, like, I don't know. You, you don't do this for a living, right? F M uh, C S A Snap. And then we'll pull up. Uh, all right. There's my snapshot. And we're going to pull up. Do you know your MC number? Uh, yeah, 1009060. 1009060. Boom. We're going to go to your SMS and we're going to go to, oh, that'll take me there. So, all right. So you are, vehicle is 15 out of service. I mean, let me do this. Everybody can see. Look at the national average, baby. 
The national average was 21. So you are pretty, you are under that. Now your driver is up above the national average. So this is basically. Like, like I said, look, it was about eight. It's It was 8.1 actually recently. I think I had a couple of clean inspections right at the end, but mm-hmm. it was 8.1. And so, but the national average actually went up too because it was, used to be 5.8 for the longest time. And now it says six. Yeah, it actually did. Yep. Um, and this says basically everything's recorded. So I can actually go in there and see what he got for unsafe driving. I, I, as a broker, this is one thing I can check. Now, it's not – we have other systems to check, which you're going to argue with me also, which I also agree with. Uh, but I can pull in violations. These are his violations that he got, you know, fair to a better traffic control device. Um, now, I'm not saying he was driving the truck. It's anybody that's under his authority that this registered so it's not like he was out there running red lights uh but he never gets caught but either way he probably does too but any of his drivers and this is stuff that goes on these all get points you can see the point system uh 15 over the speed limit that's a big deal that got 10 points um and they this all gets tallied up this takes about three years to drop off two to three years depending on what uh what it is for it to go back down so it's a constantly flowing system but like i said a warning Something like, hey, this is just a warning. You go in and you fix this light, but I'm going to give you the warning because you were able to fix it on site and you get a point. And these points is what insurance looks at. It's a dumb system. Right. Claims or crashes or anything like that. Right. And so I'm relying on these four things. I'm relying on my experience. I'm relying on the system that I had in place. And I'm relying on the metrics that I have. Well, when insurance comes back with some quotes, let's give you an example. Our premium was $24,000 a month for 17 trucks, $24,000 a month. The new quote that they gave us from the, our current insur- the, the insurance we had was $43,000 for the same 17 trucks. A month. And then when you add on top of that the fuel expense, when you add on top all of those other things, it absolutely makes no sense, and you'll be in the red every month no matter what you do. And, and so that, that came as shock. So- how, do you like cutting a 40, how would you like cutting a $43,000 check a month? Bro, my highest premium was was actually like thirty eight grand or something like that on that, that one month. It was thirty eight yeah. grand. That was a fun check to cut, dude. Ten thousand dollars <laughs> a week on insurance, bro. This is, come on. I could just imagine what the, what you're saying as you're writing that thing. Yeah. Okay, great. Let's go shop around. Then we got another, and then I got another quote from Progressive, and Progressive was about twenty two to twenty three hundred dollars per truck with twenty percent down. And the problem with the 20% down is, well, my, my premium is, um, first of all, it's higher, but assuming it's like $30,000 per truck or $30,000 total for 17 trucks, which put, would put it right around two grand or so, right? 30,000 times 10 months is 300,000. And then there's 11 and 12, that would put you at 360,000. So my annual premium is about 360,000. That means I would have to put 20% down. That would be 70 grand. I'm setting aside only 10%, right? Mm. For me to set aside 70 grand, I would have to put the system in place that would set aside 20%. Well, if I'm setting aside 20%, that leaves like no margin, right? Because I charge 30 to lease on. So it's like, then what would happen from there is I would have to pay dispatch and accounting and all this other stuff. And it's like, then there's no money, right? So it's like, so the, the system that I had in place came, uh, were all like all failed because the pricing was so insane. It's just, just flat out insane. 70 grand down with 30, over $30,000 a month in monthly payments for insurance. It's like, that. I, anyways, <laughs> that's what I did wrong, right? And I'm, I'm, as a business owner, um, you know, it's not like I tried my best. And uh, just did you already, did you already the, skip the part? Which part? You're trying to show you. I think the whole reason we're watching this thing is because you were trying to show uh, that the insurance canceled me for the truck that was registered incorrectly. Uh, I'll, I'll let you tell the story. I'm gonna let you tell the story. 
I thought that was the whole reason we were waiting for that. I don't know. I don't remember where I put that. Part of this video, I'm thank God you remember your video that you just did yesterday. That would be some of the stuff you hate about the trucking industry, right? Right. So, which is the next part of this video, right? Do you oh, even your own what's video? What's wrong with it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, hey, I recorded this thing three times. Okay. I forget what order I put everything in. Yeah. So that would be the next part. This was a mistake that ends up unfortunately leading to the business shutting down. Now, I have some experience now in trucking. And so now I want to go into what is wrong with the trucking industry. Now, this is my opinion. And you mm. guys, I want, I want some feedback if I might. You just, that right there, that statement right there. I want some feedback. I said, I can give him feedback. I can absolutely give him feedback. I don't type that well, which they all know I can't spell. So what am I going to do? I'm just going to call his ass out and have him on my show. It's just your fault. You opened up the door for me. I'm just letting you know. Right. So, I mean, head, like maybe I'm thinking incorrectly. So comment below about any of these points, but comment below three things nope. uh, boils down to three things. What I think about is wrong in the trucking industry. Number one is as a truck driver or as a truck, as a fleet owner, you're not in control of the rate. Okay. How are you not in control of the rate? Are you oh, already, wait, oh, hold on. We already discussed this. Okay. Should have started my brokerage. Should have, could have, would have, but I didn't. Right. We already get that. I don't have any salespeople. We already covered this. Okay. Uh, but, wind back 10 minutes in the live. If you want an answer to this section, you're not okay? forced to take the load either. Right. Uh, true, true. Okay. But you know, seating costs money. Right. But it, all right. All right. Just making sure. Okay. And that is rare. Most companies that offer services or products, especially products, are in control of their rates. No, they're not. So just so you know, and I get this all the time. So what happens in a lot of the service industries is you are under competition with others, right? So even though that, I, and I get this because I, I deal a lot with my companies that just so everybody knows, my company comes to me and they'll say, hey, we need a budgetary quote for shipping 27 items to here. Perfect. All right. I run the numbers. They submit the quote. The people come back and say, you're high. Can you do anything to work those numbers? This is the person buying the stuff. They'll come, they'll try to tweak their numbers. They'll come to me and they'll say, hey, we're hot because it gets it gets divided. You have manufacturing costs, transportation costs. So they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, you're high on these numbers. Can we do anything to get these numbers down? So it, it, service industry isn't just iPhone industry. It's not retail industry. It's service. You have to be, hey, if somebody's going to mow the lawn for this much, well, I already got a guy doing it. All right, well, I can be here, you know, this many times, and you you have to be able to sell that service, and sometimes it's not a locked-in price. And this is where another, a lot of other truck drivers think the same thing, that they think that selling a phone, I think you might mention that, is the same as the service industry. It's not. It's not. Right, like, I'm recording this on an iPhone, right? Apple doesn't use a broker to dictate the price and the the price of the iPhone doesn't fluctuate. Apple doesn't use a broker. Have you heard of Walmart? Wait on that broker, <laughs> right? Apple has, here's our price, $1,100 for an iPhone. If you don't like it, we understand we offer financing or maybe you can get a cheaper iPhone or maybe you might not get an iPhone at all. Retail. But they set their price, right? Um, in trucking, you don't do that, which is kind of like, well, that's weird because there are certain fixed costs in trucking and the like when the money go, like when the rate goes down below your fixed cost what are trucking companies supposed to do wait for everyone else to go out of business and then the rates will go back up so it's a little bit like doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense that there is no like fixed price in there you can't charge your price in trucking except for asterisk 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 what are you hitting home runs on steroids asterisk listen the main purpose for you to get a carrier for you to be in business is to get direct customers that's not an asterisk agrees with me business 
getting the loads from the this is why I, I swear to God, if you were here, you writing that thirty thousand dollar check is the same anger I felt when you said the word asterisk to direct customers. With it should be main focus, main focus. All right. Except for with direct customers. Direct customers, I love calling for direct customers. I love calling for brokers that appreciated that we do a good job. Have- Am I one of those brokers? Not anymore, but was I? Yes. Okay. Yes, you are, Eric. Absolutely. Even though you backed out of one of my loads the day before it had to go. That's I, not, that is, I don't recall that. Yeah, I got it. We'll, we'll check. We'll go back to the tape on that one, too. No, but I was able I, to. Come- I, I don't keep track of canceled loads, so I only keep track of delivered loads. So I, I wouldn't mean, be able to pull that one up. You appreciate you calling me the day before. Actually, you didn't. I called you and said, hey, are you good for this load? You're like, oh, yeah, damn, I forgot. Um, I can't cover that one. I'm going to bet that that. OK, that's stung a little bit. Eric. I built out a really good website um, for for the for customers. And and so you do. Uh, he you did put together a website that was fantastic. It's I've never seen it before in the industry that we're in. Uh, you, once the driver would show up, I had a picture of the driver. Um, I sent you a link, by the way, of your load. Oh, did you what to where yeah. the private chat? Oh. Did I? All right. Yeah. Yeah. So you could like do, do you could do a Toe Piglet software demo. There you go. All right. Anything that's going to get me in trouble here? Uh, no. All right. Should be, should be fine. Uh, I can driver. Okay, to show the driver and everything. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is what I got when um he was loaded right so once i got out i was dispatched on the load once i sent the raycon over and he actually put it in there which took him like a day and a half which that drove me insane no he did a good job uh he put it in there i got this email sent to me and he's like go ahead and click the link i'm like all right click the link gotcha so he would and and i barely get communication out of other people that is the worst problem i have so this told me who the driver was. This told me what type of truck he was driving. This told me what type of trailer he was. Right. This, you, can, you can click on the on the trailer picture, too. You can, like, always, you know. Yep. A standard. I knew that was, you know, obviously a 40-foot hot shot. Cool. It's not, you know, um, I'm good with that. So that kind of shows. And I knew he's with 350. He's not showing up, you know, telling me he's not. There's a picture of his truck. That was fantastic. The driver does exist, unless it's a CGI. Uh, but, no, it actually was the driver. This was the picture I got when he was loaded. And this is where I'm like, I did not know about this tarp. So right. I got this picture. I'm like, dude, I didn't know about the tarp. Thank you for tarping it. Uh, because of, and I, um, I'm glad you had tarps. Um, I'm, and I got and because this is a simple tarp. I threw him an extra 50 bucks um, for throwing that tarp on. And, you know, because of this picture, I did that. Right. Because the customer did not tell me. And if the driver would have showed sometimes hot shots don't have tarps. Right. Or yeah. quite don't tarp so i might have got in trouble there my customer you know we would have had a thing there and then that's the information which i'm not going to show and then uh i just asked you if there's going to be any on thing on here but no he doesn't listen to me anyways hold on (laughs) well that's the most important part the bill of lading that gets signed gets uploaded so the broker doesn't have to chase all the carrier down for the bol it's automatically in that link in your email bro how's that not amazing it absolutely is. The problem is, is that the other um, I still had to wait for an invoice from your factoring company and to get that. But besides that, I had to bill of lay and I could at least get my billing done. That is 100 percent on top of anybody else. The, a lot of brokers get to the point where they have to say, hey, if you don't give me my bill and lading within 24 or 48 hours, I'm going to bill you 25 bucks. Yeah, I have, uh, I, it's called King of Freight. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've hold drivers not to give me an invoice or my bill of lading for two weeks. I'm like, dude, can, can you not get, you don't want to be paid. So that type of system was fantastic. It, it was way above and beyond um, what most do. So that, and you designed that, correct? Yes. I, I made that all by myself, made the whole thing. Yeah. See that, that's actually, you know, impressive. So I'll tell you what, if anybody's looking for any type is, is in the trucking industry and you'd like some type of website like that, I can absolutely vouch for his website services, not his sales brokerage services, but definitely that website services. I, I would vouch for that. You will get a lot more um, brokers and customers contacting you with information like that, because it is the absolute hated thing in this industry is communication. All right. So, um, like they, they, when they appreciated those things, they paid us what we wanted. And so, uh, and so it, it worked out. So, but the brokers that kept using us and the- And I'm not going to lie. I, uh, because I did get that photo and he, everything did go well and the driver did show up and he showed up and everything else. Like I said, I had no problem, uh, given the money that I got for the run. Um, like I said, it, you do get more money for services, you know, like that eventually, because if, it, and I talked about this a lot, a lot, when I first called, I, I know him and I knew that, but if I didn't, it's the minimum wage shop opportunity board, right? I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't know if you're going to be a piece of crap driver or not, right? And then you kind of build that relationships with brokers and customers, but it takes time. So that is instant, instant win with something like that. Direct customers resulted in about 20% of the revenue. So if we're roughly doing about $300,000, that means $60,000 came from um, direct customers and brokers directly. And it would take a very long time for us to build that up. It take a very long time. That's part of business. That's a part of business. God, I swear. Anyways. To be able to be maybe 100% or 80% uh, direct customers, which then it would be worthwhile, right? So problem number one with trucking is you're not in control of the rate. So unfortunately, you have to ride the waves, right? And, and that, I'm more aware of that now than maybe before. But number two is um, one company, one company Here is, is in control of your entire existence. And that's like, like if that- It is not the broker. It is insurance companies. Right. Insurance companies are in charge right now. Um, and I'll explain if he doesn't explain, I'll make sure I explain this. That's not terrifying. That sentence alone should be. Terrifying. And what I will say real quick is I don't have insurance. I have a bond in case I don't pay my money. Now I can get insurance, I'd say, but I'm not required to have it like they are. Let me rephrase that. I'm not required to have it. Uh, a broker is not required to have it. A trucking company is my bond cost me about $1,500 a year for a $75,000 bond. His insurance was going to go $43,000 a month. Big difference, big difference between that brokerage. All right. Terrifying that one company is in complete control of your business existing. And it, it, it really, I think I've maybe talked about it in a different video, but it was in the beginning of the year in January where we got issued a cancellation by our insurance because the VIN number that was on the paperwork during inspection was not the, was not a truck that was listed on our policy. Okay. And so what the, the, the inspection happened in November, we got a cancellation in January and they gave us a seven day notice. They're like, here's your cancellation. You have seven days to find new insurance. I'm freaking out. Like, whoa, hold on. What do you mean? Like we, uh, we didn't have as many trucks back then. So I knew all the trucks like that's, that's weird. And so what happened is it was an enterprise rental and enterprise registers their truck often in Indiana and Indiana has electronic license plates. And when your license plate expires in Indiana, you can kind of just throw it away because that license plate number gets assigned to a new VIN number. It's not permanently assigned to your VIN number. It's electronic. It's an electronic connection that during the registration period, that license plate is assigned to your VIN, but as soon as it expires, it goes somewhere else. And so what, that's exactly what happened. 
the truck that was registered in Indiana from Enterprise, their plate expired and Indiana then saw that that plate is now available for re-registration and they re-register it to a new truck. That truck with that VIN number, the officer just typed in the plate number. He didn't actually go type in the VIN number, duh. So uh, that's that's how they're supposed to do it. But but during that inspection, if you were to look at like, and we sent all this back and they took back their cancellation, but that was probably the most terrifying week ever because it, like, it almost like opened my eyes. And since then it changed my entire perspective of like being dependent for existence on one company is not a business that I want to participate in at all, at all. And, and not to mention like the frustrating part, it wasn't like a human level. It wasn't like, hey, Mr. Customer, um, we like you. You pay us $30,000 a month, um, but there's just one little hiccup here. Could you provide some clarity on this? It wasn't that. It was like, here's your cancellation. Too bad. It's like, that's not, that's not okay. You know, like that's. And just so everybody knows too, and I'll let you talk about this, is cancellations from insurance is bad. Bad. Other insurance see if you haven't been canceled. Not that you canceled, but that you got canceled. Bad. Almost yeah. point of the word of the term uninsurable, which is right. death in trucking. Right. So go ahead. I know you'd love to. You want to light it up like a tow truck. Go ahead. What, no, I was. I'm. I'm totally in agreement with you. It's so funny how they're the ones that issue the cancellation, and then they report it to all the other insurances, saying like, "Hey, we canceled this guy." It's like. Gee, thanks, bro. Like, thanks. Yeah, and so it's even then. It's like I, you can't go get on their insurance. You can't go get it because it just got reported, it, right? So now, where you do a lot of enterprise trucks, which means you rent your trucks. You prefer to do that system, right? Where was their responsibility in this? Uh, so enterprise, I buy the insurance through enterprise for the like collision. Right. So if that truck is an accident, enterprise insurance will cover just the re repair, just the replacement parts, just fixing that truck. Berkshire Hathaway would cover the liability, whatever I crashed into. They'll cover the cargo and the trailer. Now, the but in regards to the plate, they redo the plates, correct? Yes. Enterprise is completely in control of um, they're the ones that are supposed to be registering everything, keeping everything DOT, everything. So it was their mistake on the plate. Well, it was, bro, it, that was in November. That's like peak COVID. That's like, not peak COVID, but that's like, that's like nobody getting back to work. That's like the, the have you been to DMV recently? They have, they're so no, short staffed. It's been, it was like three months delays. You know what I mean? So all of that stuff was happening at the time. So I wouldn't say it was enterprise's fault. I would say just the DMV in Indiana was really slow. Right. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. It was not something you monitored because it was handled by them normally, right? The plate thing was handled by them. So, Easily, all you would have been, and enterprise enterprise made a mistake. Something could have COVID, whatever. An easy fix would have been enterprise. Send me a letter. What happened? Hand it over to the insurance company. Done. That that crisscross. Done. That's exactly what we did. We we got the letter from enterprise, um, and we sent to them. They fixed it. Right. Enterprise that doesn't that doesn't stop the fact that it's stressful getting a cancellation and then telling you, hey, you have seven days to figure this out. Correct. So this was something that wasn't even under your control that you even expected to happen. And, it, and and once it did happen, you're freaking out and you're like, oh, my God, what's going on? And reach out to Enterprise. Enterprise jumps right in and says, nope, not a problem. Here's your letter. Here's your problem. Here's your fixer. Done deal. And there and all you get is a uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. You're right. Okay, next month we'll bill you thirty thousand. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, you can continue to pay us thirty grand. No big deal. Sorry about that. Is was there has there anything else or any more from that whole situation, or that was it? It was that was done and over. 
no, that's it. Done and over. Literally, they 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 sent it to the underwriter and they said, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. Our bad. Yeah. That's it. That's and and like I said, a cancellation from an insurance. When an insurance company cancels a trucking company, it goes out to everybody sees it. It is something that you're not hiding that. Any other insurance company can pull it up and you become what, what what's considered uninsurable. And that would have been from all this money to instant zero. That's a scary thought, dude. That's actually a very scary thought right now. And because a lot of dri- drivers and stuff, you know, they're, they don't expect that to happen. And they might not have been able to figure out all this stuff and what to do or things like that. Or it might have been their mistake. And they might not have been, they just screwed up by a date or something like that. And they're out, they're out of the game. Yeah. No, for sure. So that that's let me roll here. Sucks. And so, uh, and, but anyways, whatever I could, but brings me to the third point, and that is ultimately the liability and the expense is always on you as the trucking company owner, right? And like, and a lot of the expenses are not in your control. Like nobody would have known that used trucks and used vehicles or trailers would have skyrocketed 40, 50% in price. That's what I want to talk about. Of your control. Yeah. Nobody would have known that in. You said, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, like I didn't even elaborate in, in this as much too. Like I bought a torsion axle gooseneck trailer for 13,500, like a year ago, that same trailer was $20,000. Okay. $20,000 dude. That's crazy. Okay. Okay. I like the tra- trailer uses these magnets, right? That's how the electric electric brakes work. It has these electromagnets in there. Okay. The magnets were $59 before they're $109 now, 109. Yeah. So like everything has jumped in price. And so I didn't even elaborate on this super well, but it's, it's, it, it's increasingly fury infuriating how like the parts are either delayed, non-existent or double in price on top of everything else. Wow. Yeah. The, and, and we're going to go, you're going to go into this because we, we had a conversation about this, which we're going to talk about. February fuel cost was $3 and now it's seven bucks everywhere. It's a, those expenses are out of your control here. And that's the problem. Pair that up with the rates, not in your, like, fine. This is out of my control, but the rates are in my control. That's different. But if, if the rates are out of my control, then show should, should the fuel cost or the, like the expenses, it just, the business just fundamentally doesn't make sense. It, it really doesn't make sense. It's not a business worth growing. It's not a business worth doing. And, um, and so like, I'm not trying to be bitter about it because I simultaneously love truck. Like I, like I'm in two spots, right? Love hate relationship, right? Truck is a love hate rela- If you if you don't understand what love hate relationships are, get into trucking. Yeah. <laughs> you will understand. And, and this is the thing too. So whatever that's going on right now in trucking is rates are based on supply and demand, not on, not solely on fuel costs. Fuel costs is, is offset by what we call fuel surcharge, but rate base prices are based on supply and demand. So if supply uh, uh, is you know down, you know freight goods coming in or down, then rates go down, right? If it's up and we can't manage that, rates go up. So right now we're seeing volumes going down, which is driving the base price of freight shipping down and the price of fuel going up. And that gap is what we, what trucking people in the trucking industry, which freight waves is also coined is, is the bloodbath of trucking. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is the, the trucking companies that are going to be able to survive that are going to have brokerages, but it also are going to be people that have either been through it before or have possibly um, set themselves in that position to see that coming. Right. And 
there's going to be a lot of them. And and you're you're one of the hits and and that that went through that basically. And we talked about this a little bit is that customers it, it, you've done a video about it even too. Uh, I can't remember the title of the video. You could probably remember the title that you basically said, "Look, you are not a benefit to a company as a truck driver." What was the name of that video? Do you have the idea? I dude, I forgot. I know it was one of those ones where I was just kind of rambling off the top of my head, but it was something along the lines that like as a trucking company, you're an expense to your customer. And so right. no matter what, even if you like offer excellent service, and that's probably where like, even though my website was great and brokers like you and many others and customers appreciated it, at the end of the day, I'm an expense to them. And so they're going to try to save money no matter what. Right. Because there's a budget. They come in with a budget and they say, look, this is what I have budgeted for freight. And if they have a cost overrun on manufacturing, they pull from shipping. Right. right? And, and that even goes down sometimes. It's the way this industry is. So like me and you, it, it's truck drivers. It's very difficult for them to get a raise because as as they get a raise, that means inflation goes up, which means the cost of your brakes go up. So it's that baseline that they can kind of never break that that baseline unless they get a brokerage. So, but besides that, that's kind of what happened to you at this point with insurance costs going up and, and parts and everything going up and fuel being up. Uh -oh. Right. The wife. Right. No, you're good. Okay. That's it. You basically got to the point where you were not, you were going to make a negative $3,000 a month. Right. And I, I will have an, uh, a video actually breaking down like the monthly, like the breakdown on what I spent each month for fuel, for driver pay, for air, all this stuff. And yeah, it, it'll, you know, to, to, to kind of spoil it, it would result in basically anywhere between a $1,500 and a $3,000 loss consistently every month. And that not every, not resulted in it, like the first five months of the year yeah. was a, like the outcome of that was a loss of $1,500 to $3,000 a month, every month, the first five months. So let me ask this. Um, when when did you kind of realize that this this when did when did the decision come? Like you because you're a numbers guy, you're a track numbers guy, you're an analytics guy, you keep all this. When did it start to sink in? Like how long ago did it start to sink in? That I'm gonna shut down? Yeah, that you were basically saying this this can't go on. This can't go on. Because I think a lot of a lot of people they don't they 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 just hold out and they hold out and they hold out, and then it gets to the point where it's like now it's way too late. Uh, dude, that's a, that's tough. I mean, I would say that cancellation in January really changed my perspective. Okay. Um, I really think after that, I wasn't the same after, after that, after experiencing that, that like, hold on, all of a sudden in seven days, I can't pay my broker. I not I can't pay my mortgage because I'm uninsurable. I, I got an issue to cancellation and I've now become uninsurable and I can't pay my mortgage. That like that changed my perspective on it drastically. Um, and so like if the premiums would have made sense, I would have kept doing it. I like I, I was working on version five. I, I would have been way better looking. It would have been working way better. So I was working on every, up until the very, very end. I was working on getting training better, getting in, like setting systems up in place. Like I was working up until the very, very end. If they would have given me a reasonable increase, maybe a 10% increase, right? Maybe instead of 24,000, they would have said, Alex, we like you at 26,800. Fine. Okay. That's reasonable. That's what 10% is within the line of reason. Do they hit me with a 45% increase? Like that's outside. That's outside of the line of reason. So, um, so unfortunately, yeah, if they, if they like, I, I would have done it if it was reasonable, but because they, they, they hit me with unreasonable, I decided it's like, 
hey, man, well, instead of continually losing more and more and more and more, and it's like you see the videos, it's like, oh, yeah. fuel hit $5 and it's, no, we're, it's not going to stop anytime soon. It's like, what kind of, what kind of, uh, what kind of title is that? Fuel hit $5 for the national average and it's not stopping anytime soon. Like, right. man, I, I like, honestly, by all accounts, I really hope I'm wrong for shutting down. And I like, I like, Hey, I should have just kept fighting, but I, I really hope I'm wrong. And that there's a, a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. Right. I really hope that the people that stick it through actually get their pot of gold at the end. But my concern is that's not going to be the case. Yeah. And, and the issue too, is that again, yeah, I, I see it definitely going to get a little worse before it gets in a little, I'm using that as a sarcastic way um, before it gets any better. But so it, it's almost that January just knocked the wind down you no matter what. It was a mental game of that aspect. That was just like, even if it was the financial game was there, the fact that that could happen, that sounded like that was the turning point for you in January mentally. Correct. Right. I would, I would say that was, yeah, definitely the guy was the case. And it was like, okay, I'm not, uh, you know, you, you wake up one and you're like, you're to go, you go to bed next, you know, it's crash and burn. So even if the money was there, it was still putting that scary with a family and kids and stuff, that scary aspect to that whole thing. So that's something that, you know, truck drivers also owner operators and stuff like that also have to worry about is stuff like that. And, it, and it, that same situation can happen. Right. Now. So, uh, there is actually a lot of people that thought because a ton of people jumped into uh, hot shotting and stuff like that. They're right. They were going to jump into hot shotting um, because they thought that the market was great. Right. And this wasn't that long ago. So I got a, a my chat, my uh, comments got beat up big time. And I know you were there reading them. Um, so I got beat up big time for calling you out. But I had to kind of do it to, to make sure I got people to, to actually pay attention to this video because. I, although I, you know, I don't want this to happen. I didn't want, you know, with you and I do like you and you were, you know, I'll admit it. You know, most people won't, but I will. Um, it's, it's something that a message that needs to be heard. Now, problem is they call me clout chasing, right? So a little while ago, do you remember me coming to you and asking if you would do a video about it might not be the right time to get into hot shot trucking with this guy? Do you remember any of that conversation? No, I don't recall that. You're lying. Anyways. Hey, I'm like that politicians in that documentary or whatever, when they were interviewed, like, hey, did you do this? Did you do this? They're like, I don't recall that. I don't recall that. I don't yeah. recall that. Remember that? So just so everybody knows, so I actually reached out to Toe Piglet because Economic Ninja, who has about 100,000 you know, more subscribers than him, um, me and him got together and we said, hey, we his, he had a bunch of people that said, hey, we should get into hot shot trucking. We reached out to you and you're like, man, I don't even want, I could, right then you didn't want to do it. And of course, in your, in your Toe Piglet uh, talks to Sage type way, he can be a dick sometimes to me. I'm going to have to admit this. He, he can be a dick on the phone to me, just so everybody knows. No. Um, but it, 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 even then, it was not there. You, when we even had that conversation, it was not there. Was it because you weren't sure then, or was it just you didn't you didn't even want to jump on? No. Uh, well, first of all, I I definitely like I was I was um, on the fence until the renewal. Like I was on the fence. Like mm -hmm. I like I genuinely believe that if if things are reasonable, I genuinely believe working as a hotshot small business, working mm -hmm. directly with customers, that relationship is much more valuable than a broker coming in there trying to blow up their phone to earn their business, right? 
So mm -hmm. I genuinely believe that Hotshot is very cool and I like it a lot and working directly with it's, it's, it's super awesome working directly with customers is I, that is super rewarding. But the key thing mm -hmm. is if prices are reasonable, right? that's the key thing. And once they hit me with that unreasonable insurance premium, like, oh, that's it. Absolutely. This doesn't make sense at all. You know, this doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. And, and so that's why, uh, that's why with Ninja, I think I explained the three, the three, um, yeah. the three reasons why, like why Hotshot can exist, which mm -hmm. is like, if you have, we're working, we're working with direct customers with small, small, tiny shippers that, you know, don't have any systems optimized. You work with them, you work with specialized trailer and you haul specialized commodities and, or it's your top level driver funnel, right? A lot of people are interested in hotshots. So you mm -hmm. get them in the door, they start working for you. Then you train them up to get a semi. Uh, so right now is it the best time to get into it right now? If, I, if today, if I was going to go out and buy a truck, a brand new truck and trailer, is it the best time to jump into it today? Uh, let's be honest. Uh, so I mean, that would, of course, uniquely depend on your situation, but because, you know, yes. Dave Ramsey says 50% of Americans don't have $500 for a medical emergency. Like mm -hmm. I would assume that most people that will be asking me, Alex, I want to get into Hotshot right now. I would assume they are probably part of those, that group of people. And yes. I would say, no, right now is a terrible idea. Well, that's the interview me and Ninja wanted to do, but you wouldn't do. So at least I got the interview. So Ninja, if you're recording this, we finally got the interview that he, he won't back out of now. That's all we were like. So, so hey, that is not where we settled. Ninja, we agreed. Okay, you were there on the call. We agreed. Ninja's going to upload that video and he's going to yeah. see how it does. And from there, we can get a little bit more into depth. In depth. Yeah. Okay. And how is that video doing compared to the rest 63, of the 63,000. How much? 63,000. And that's on the lower side, to my understanding. Uh, that is. So, with Toe Piglet being out there and backing that and making sure it would have it boomed. It would have boomed with Toe Piglet. And that's why Dude, we I watched that. I watched that video. I thought it was great. He got some responses to it, by the way. Did you see that? I, I didn't go. I didn't check all the responses. Oh. No, that's what yeah, we were yeah. looking for. Because so, I could have. Uh, by all accounts, is a good video covering like a lot of the, the basics and the introduction to the business as a whole. So um, yeah. it was it was a good video. But, dude, I, I definitely think there's a, you know. There's there's an interest in Hot Shop, but there's, there's yeah. a, a certain level of due diligence that doesn't need to be done. Yeah, and it's it's it is it's there's a learning curve. It's an experience type thing. It's it's not you know. So if you don't have the finances to do it, especially not now, don't run out and jump out by that truck. So I I did, and like I said, I was actually you know was I'm like wow, we're gonna do ninja. I'm the low man on totem pole here. Then I really would have got some clout. But you guys, thanks thanks there toe for you know, for chop blocking me at the kneecaps and not giving me an opportunity to be on with you and ninja. Whatever. Anyways. No, I want to thank you for coming on though. And, and like I said, I, I do, I do appreciate, it. I do feel bad. And, and like I said, it is a, it's not, it, there was a, there's a lot going on right now. And then you're right. The insurance thing it's wrong. And, and we even talk about this too. Like I feel, and, and I feel a brokerage, a broker should have some type of cert, some type of piece of paper that if, you know, could be taken away, not just my bond. If I don't pay, I do feel there is some room for in the industry for that. Do I feel full transparency? God, no, absolutely not. Right. Nobody wants to say, you know, full transparency open. You, if you want that, go get your own customers. It's not hard. Right. It, it is. But that's that thing that they need to do. So I'm hoping 
uh, people basically learn the, the the where you came from and where you went in one nice all tight package and actually what happened. But and and like I said, I did want to do my critique. You left the window open for me by asking for comments uh, and saying it. But I, that brokerage is an important part. It's the sales department, and carriers don't do that. So when you do it again, he's going to come to me and he's going to no, he won't come to me. He'll do it all over again. And he still won't call me. Is there anything you want to say here before we uh, can't end, end this one? No, dude. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate the tough love. That's all, all good stuff, dude. Thank it you so much. And I appreciate you coming on and taking it. And like I said, and uh, you had a great, a good company. You had a lot of stuff going on. Now, future wise, real quick before we go, you are looking to do what now? Uh, right now, I'm not not a hundred percent sure. Probably something to do with software or marketing or something like that. Some of the things that I'm good at, um, you know. But I mean, I guess that depends on you know how bad it gets. It's like. Uh, maybe I'll just go up, you know, uh, get the dust off my resume you know, or brush the dust off my resume. And, you know, and it's like at the end of the day, running the company will hopefully look good on the resume. And, you know, maybe I get a couple of sales or marketing or social media jobs uh, in the meantime to pay the bills. Just depends on, you know, the situation. But um, but also I have I have two software that uh, two pieces of software that I've been working on. I've been working on obviously one one website and one Chrome extension. So uh, I'm in the final stages of both of those. So. You're ready to mention? Uh, really there's, there's many things in the pipeline and I'll be launching some of them so, soon. Um, okay. So we'll see how it works out. I, I do think, what about doing that? I mean, is that something, the website and things that you do, is that something you can do for other companies? Yes, absolutely. Is that so, is that something you would be interested in doing for other companies? Because I, I feel uh, that definitely for the ones that you know are out there when this all turns, and, and it will turn, it's just when, it, it is a huge benefit. Right. Uh, no, it's certainly. And, and if somebody wants to reach out and, you know, give me some, give me some questions on software, maybe that they can come up with or that they need some help with. Sure. Yeah. By all means, you know, hit me up. Um, but really a lot of it, man, a lot of it is, you know, how there was this whole like learn to code movement for truckers a couple of years ago. Um, so a lot of them are no code tools. And so it's like, if you learn to use no code tools, you can make kind of any software that you want. Um, and, and so that's what I would recommend for all the truckers that if they're sick of their jobs or whatever, like learn no code tools. There's, there's several that are really good ones. Big companies use them all the time still. So, um, that, that's what I would recommend. Learn no code tools. So we're now at a point that it's no longer learn to code. It's learn to no code. Correct. Yes, sir. Wow. We've gone past the point of even coding. Unbelievable. All right. Well, I'm going to end this one here. I do want to thank you for coming on. Um, and like I said, I know that, you know, I, I, you know, attacked you a little bit but you, you drove me insane with that statement and i had no choice so it's almost like paying insurance payment so but i do want to thank you for coming on and i do hope the best for you and your crew that you know you, you did have to let go but i i don't see you staying down for very long bro no definitely to be honest so all right i'm gonna end this one here um as always stay safe sage out uh say goodbye toe all right, have a good one, uh, and subscribe and like and do the stuff whatever mods if, if you would in there uh, hook him up like a tow truck and drop his uh, channel in there and um, uh, let's bail.
With a piece in my hand and bloodshot eyes, I walk to the water for a last goodbye. He begs so much, it clouded my mind. One thing's clear, the man's gotta die. It makes right, so he said, when he held all the keys over our head. I lived in that grip, but now he'll learn at the end with the table's turn. Lord, forgive me and take me oh, down the river where the kids can't find the red hand of sinner. Oh, where the grave can't cry out. Oh, 